We are definitely in the dog days of summer, especially in August of 2012. July is usually the hottest month, and it was again this year. As a matter of fact, July was the hottest month on record in the United States of America. And the dog days comes from the star Sirius and how Sirius is closest to the sun. And in ancient times, they believed that was responsible for the hot weather. So Sirius, the dog star, the dog days of summer. My guest today is Doug Hall, the uh, deputy editor of Organic Gardening Magazine, a self-described heat lover. But we're going to talk about rejuvenating the garden and things to think about in August and beyond. On Ken Drew's Real Dirt, The Garden Show. My guest today is deputy editor of Organic Gardening Magazine, Doug Hall. And uh, it's... D Hello, Doug. Good morning. <laughs> it's. I think this has been just about one of the worst summers I can remember, but I, I've heard myself say that before. So maybe it's not really true, but... Uh, in most of the United States, I think we've had the hottest July. This is 2012. We've had the hottest July on record. And so far in the first six months of 2012, it is the warmest year on record. And, you know, we didn't have a winter. And I keep thinking, oh, I'm getting older. Time is flying. But now when I think back on March and April, we didn't have a winter. And uh, I think we're on, going to be on record for the warmest year on record. And that's really wreaked havoc with our gardens. And here it is August. And I always think, how can I get myself interested even in going out to the garden, especially this year? It's overwhelming. But uh, interrupt me at any time because I, I want to talk about some of the ideas and some of the things that are in the magazine and also online at organicgardening.com about midsummer garden makeover? Well, I think summer is a great time to, uh, to take a, uh, some time off and uh, reassess what's, uh, what's going in, on in the garden. Um, if, if it's too hot to motivate yourself to go out to the garden, then don't. Um, <laughs> it, gardening should never become a, an obligation or a duty. If it stops being fun, then that's when you should uh, set down the trowel and, and, uh, sit in the lawn chair for the rest of the afternoon. Well, that's good advice. Heat, heat really is, is as hard on the gardener as it is on the plant. Definitely. So it, it's good advice to just take it easy when, when the weather gets oppressively hot. Well, and it's a good thing to p plan your day so that you can get out there earlier in the morning and also in the evening, because we do have the evenings to get some things done, even though the garden might be a little dry in the evening. But uh, I, I like that idea. Maybe it's time for everyone to take a rest. But what are what are some of the other things that you can do when, let's say you have a little bit of coolness or you're going to do something in the morning and you'd like the garden to, well, look a little better? Well, the, I think there are three, there are three uh, tasks in the garden, general gardening tasks that really can't be ignored in the summer. One of them, obviously, is watering because in the summer, Nature does not always provide the amount of water that our plants need. And if we don't step in and provide uh, some form of moisture, then plants really are going to suffer. Uh, so that's, that's one task that you really cannot neglect. Uh, another one is, is weeding. 
weeding is not the most glamorous <laughs> garden task for anyone. Some of us find it sort of soothing in a, a mind-numbing sort of way. Um, <laughs> but I, I always uh, stress to new gardeners or, or emphasize that they never want to allow a weed to go to seed in their garden. Oh. And uh, if and that includes in summer, you know, the, the weeds, even when our, uh, it seems like our gardens are suffering from, uh, from the heat uh, and, and dry uh, in summer, somehow the weeds uh, seem to be able to thrive and prosper and produce large quantities of seed. Uh, if you don't get in there and, and remove those weeds before they go to seed, what you've really done is created 10 years of, 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 of uh, future weeding. Uh, so again, weeding is something that you don't want to neglect, even even when the weather is hot. You know, um, and and now, I'm going to say something about weeding too. Don't forget what you're going to say. But in in some cases, uh, for example, with some biennials like uh, garlic mustard, if I can't really keep up, I'll go around with scissors and just cut the heads off, and deadhead the weeds very quickly if I can't really dig them out for that very reason to stop them from going to seed. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, any anything that prevents those weed seeds from dropping onto onto your soil. Um, one thing I'll point out is that the, these two things that I've mentioned, watering and weeding, uh, both of those uh, you can help your plants uh, in in those in that respect with uh, with mulch. Uh, if you have mulched uh, throughout the if you've mulched in spring and you continue uh, replenishing that mulch throughout the growing season, uh, then you've uh, made a big step towards satisfying the moisture needs of your plant and suppressing weeds, uh, which really prevents them from even getting a foothold in your garden. Mulch really is the gardener's friend. It's it's a great time saver and work saver. People don't think about mulching in the summer. You know, you think you put it down in the spring and then you're done, but you're suggesting that it's something you can carry on with and continue doing through the season? I tend to, to think of mulch as sort of a continual layering process. Um, anytime that I mow and have the grass catcher on the mower, which, which I do if, if I've allowed the lawn to get somewhat shaggy and, and the, uh, the grass is kind of tall, uh, then that becomes mulch. Whatever clippings I gather becomes mulch and I spread them in a thin layer. Um, right now, I'm harvesting a lot of the uh, leaf mold from last fall's uh, uh, autumn leaves. Uh, that that, uh, that leaf mold that uh, I, I really just stockpile the leaves in bins and allow them to decompose on their own. They've reached that point right now when they can be spread in the garden and they've decomposed enough that they're not going to blow around anymore. And that leaf mold also makes a good uh, top dressing or a good mulch for the garden. Um, anytime I'm uh, deadheading or, or pruning a hedge or doing any other sort of, of garden task that uh, creates uh, some organic debris, uh, oftentimes that, that just becomes another layer of mulch that I spread through the garden. So I do con consider a, a mulching a continual process. Not everyone uh, would agree with me on that. Some people like the look of a a pristine layer of, of, of a uniform mulch uh, in their garden, uh, and they get that by uh, maybe purchasing shredded bark or something like that in, in a large quantity. Well, and you could also just top dress whatever you're doing. 
just sprinkle something on top if if you need that look because I, especially with the leaves nothing could be better for mulching uh, not only just to keep the moisture in and for stopping the weed seeds but also for replenishing the soil yes it, as it breaks down as those leaves break down they're they're adding a lot of uh, uh, humus to your soil uh, they do break down quickly. The uh, leaf mold does not last long as a compost ingredient, but it does wonderful things for the friability and the uh, moisture uh, holding capacity of the soil. And, and, the, and the third thing, Doug? Uh, the third thing that a gardener really cannot uh, ignore in, in the hot days of summer is harvesting. Uh, if a gardener grows vegetables, uh, the vegetables are going to continue to produce through the hot months, the tomatoes and the peppers and, and the beans and the squash, and you really cannot turn your back on the garden. You have to uh, get out there and harvest the produce as it as it is uh, uh, ripening. Right. We have all those split tomatoes, and somebody else will eat that fruit if we don't get to it. But that's a, a, another important thing, especially if you're a vegetable garden gardener. Yes. Yeah, well, it's prime time in the vegetable garden. Right. Do you have a plan for deadheading, or do you just do it as you see things around the garden, or do you start at one end and, you know, do, do you have sort of a, a method for deadheading, removing the spent blooms and stopping some things from going to seed? At home, I, I rarely have a plan or a method. Um, it's, it's, it's whatever I notice. What a, it's sort of a triage sort of a situation, but there's all, there are always 12 things to do in my garden. <laughs> and so I, I have to pick the, the one that uh, uh, maybe the task that appeals to me most at that moment or the one that uh, um, I feel might make the, the, uh, the greatest um, uh, improvement in the garden's appearance. Uh, I don't always keep up with deadheading. Uh, I was noticing uh, this weekend, for example, that the dahlias have just been blooming uh, wonderfully for the last few weeks, and I I should get in there and deadhead those dahlias because the the older blooms are not so decorative in there. Um, other other tasks though got priority this weekend, and and so I'll get to it eventually. Well, uh, as you're saying, the things that you're doing, which are kind of necessary, uh, there's a lot of things that are a little more cosmetic, perhaps that can. It's not like really fooling. The, the eye, but uh, I guess cosmetic is a way to describe it, even though they're really wonderful things to do, like delineating the beds, you know, uh, edging. Edging makes a garden look so much better. That's, yeah, that's a, one way to take a, a backyard garden and give it sort of a professional uh, polish. Um, uh, I tend to uh, do the edging in spring and fall just because it is sort of a, a tedious task uh, and I don't have uh, I don't have a power edger or any uh, special tool for edging I just use a sharp spade and I go all the way around the lawn with that spade and redraw the line uh, the bed the bed line uh, between the planting beds and the lawn because the lawn does tend to creep mm -hmm. uh, I have a, a bluegrass uh, lawn in my backyard, and it will uh, uh, the the bed edge will lose that sharpness. Uh, whether you have a, uh, a curving bed edge or a straight line, you want it to be a nice, sharp, well-defined edge. Uh, 
uh, and you and you have to refresh that bed line every now and then. And it makes it's like mowing too. When you mow, the garden looks so much better, and edging really makes it look so much better. And it is a, it's a, it can be a daunting task, but what what satisfaction you get after you've done it, because <laughs> it really just reinvigorates the whole well, aesthetically it makes it look so much better but it's also it's good for the garden to keep that grass out uh i know that this time of year there's weeds in the paving and things like that and i guess that's another thing you want to do is try to clean up some of those gravel pathways or the spaces between your stepping stones I personally would not put in a gravel pathway just for that very reason, mm -hmm. because they really do, do become a uh, maintenance nuisance. Um, uh, but yeah, yeah, if, that, if that's something you've got at home and it, the look of it is bothering you, by all means, uh, get out there and clean it up. Uh, what, what are your paths? Do you have utility paths or do you have paths for visitors to walk on? Uh, in areas of my yard where I uh, walk frequently or I want to access beds, I tend to just leave the, the grass. Uh, for me, lawn works as a, uh, uh, as a path, not for heavy traffic areas, uh, because uh, if in an area where there was a lot of foot traffic, the grass uh, eventually would, the soil would become compacted and the grass would suffer. Uh, but if it's just me accessing the flower beds, uh, grass is a, a uh, good all-purpose surface for uh, keeping your feet dry, and, and you can uh, wheel the wheelbarrow in there or whatever uh, uh, tools and equipment you need. Uh, in other areas, if, if I want a, a permanent surface, uh, pavers, flagstones, uh, in the vegetable garden where I don't really want a permanent material, uh, I often use uh, wood chips or shredded bark as a path material. Mm -hmm. And that allows you, uh, again, to, to get into the garden, uh, uh, stand on an area of the garden where you're not uh, uh, compacting the, uh, the root zone of, of your vegetable crops and keep your feet dry at the same time. I can't imagine you sewing pillows for your garden, but uh, it, it, these are some of the things that are recommended or suggested. I don't know if you do this, but do you ever go shopping now and checking out maybe some of the sales or some of the things that are left over that you know you can rejuvenate or maybe some annuals that you might pop in in a place here and there to enliven the garden a bit? Uh, now would be a good time if uh, if someone was interested in, in finding a, a bargain or a closeout. Uh, some garden centers do start uh, reducing prices just to reduce their inventory. Uh, it's difficult to hold plants, woody plants, especially trees and shrubs and roses through the, through the summer months um, without potting them up to larger containers. And so uh, at garden centers, oftentimes they will mark down, they'll reduce prices. Or if you, if you don't see a, a markdown price, you can also, you can always uh, do a little uh, a wheeling dealing with, mm -hmm. the, with the garden center owner uh, to see if you can't negotiate a, a better price. Uh, personally, though, in, in my own yard, I really have uh, uh, I, I have what I refer to as my uh, uh, nursery mm -hmm. of, of uh, plants. Uh, some of some of them that came with me from Iowa and just have not found new permanent homes in my new garden. Still, uh, in Nursery pots. <laughs> They're just sitting in a uh, an area that uh, 
it's sort of a holding area. And so I really don't have any business going out and doing any more shopping. I've got plenty of plants to, uh, to choose from. What about annuals? I mean, uh, uh, you probably don't go shopping for them, but does it, do you ever see that anything catches your eye and you think, oh, well, that it's only for a month and a half and it's on sale and I could hang it off the, the eaves of the porch or something and have a little bit of color uh, or maybe something fragrant or some alyssum in a flat that's been left over and you know that's going to bloom for another month and a half that is a a, a good way to uh, uh to give your garden just a, a nice fresh jolt of of color or uh, a change of perspective or, or a new look for the season uh, again gardens should have a, a seasonal look we should be giving uh, uh including plants in our gardens that uh, um that, that that give us a fresh perspective with every season. In summer, there are so many wonderful annuals that provide uh, several months worth of very bright color, very uh, cheerful color. Uh, there are a lot of great tropical plants too um, that uh, would not survive uh, a winter in uh, this part of the world. But uh, for the summer months, uh, some of the big leaved uh, cannas and um, uh, elephant ears and, and caladiums, they they just give a garden an, a really nice tropical look. And, and that really goes along with the, the feeling, the heat and humidity of summer. Uh, the, these types of plants also tend to thrive uh, in the in the humidity of, of summer when uh, uh, when some other plants are, are starting to flag a little bit. And we, we think that sometimes in, in mid-August that it's over. But it isn't over. <laughs> We've got at least a month in, all, in most parts of the country. And as you're saying, these, these plants are the plants that thrive in the heat, especially if they have enough water. But I like the idea of, you know, taking an inventory and, and looking at the garden again. And uh, I don't know if I would, I don't know if I have time to think about adding furniture or pillows or rugs, but uh, as fall approaches, it might be something you think about for next year. I think a, a, a good garden should include outdoor living space. Uh, uh, most people who uh, enjoy uh, working with the soil and working with plants also enjoy spending their downtime in uh, outdoors too. And, and so creating a, a wonderful outdoor living space uh, for relaxation or for entertaining, uh, it, it's it's just a, a, a smart move on, uh, for any gardener to do, and and uh, I think it's uh, it's important to uh, have furniture that is very comfortable, uh, furniture that's just as comfortable as your uh, family room furniture. You want to be able, you want to have a chair that you really can relax with a good book, uh, spend an afternoon out in the garden. Um, uh, sometimes we forget that when we're in our gardens, we're always in in work mode. Yes. And we're not in uh, relaxation mode. But uh, uh, as long as all that beauty is outside uh, outside our homes, we should be taking advantage of it. Well, it's as fall is approaching. It's hard to imagine, but it is approaching. Uh, what are some of the things that you're thinking about that, or might start thinking about? Uh, for fall, some things you might need, uh, things you want to plan to do. Um, it's a little early to think about cleaning up, but that might be something that you're beginning to think about. And of course, I'm sure you're thinking about things you're going to change. We talked about moving some plants. But uh, what are, it, maybe if, if you could, I'm putting you on the spot, but if you could suggest 
a few things for fall or maybe some tools that you might like to have things you generally do every fall people often forget that fall is a good time of year for planting uh, we think of spring as the planting season but many perennials, shrubs, trees uh, can also be planted in fall. And I would recommend uh, to gardeners that they, they look around, especially in the months of September and October. And if their garden is not satisfying at that time of year, maybe it's because they've chosen uh, plants that uh, uh, their their season of beauty comes earlier in the growing season. Uh, a lot of gardens are that way. They're they're absolutely beautiful up till uh, maybe the Fourth of July, and then from then on, it they're not just coasting, but they're really in decline. Uh, fall can really be a dazzling time in the garden if you choose plants that are at their best in the fall. And I'm talking about plants that bloom in the fall as well as those that produce wonderful fruit in the fall or have a lovely foliage color. So this fall, I would recommend people look around, uh, look around in their neighbor's gardens and maybe go to a public garden or two and just get some ideas. Um, look for plants that do have a beautiful season in fall and then that would continue the beauty of your home garden into the fall season. Uh, and, and you can make a wish list. Uh, you can come up with uh, a list of, of shrubs and, and uh, perennials that would make a, a beautiful presence in a fall garden. Um, some of those might be available uh, this fall for planting. Uh, if not, then you've got your uh, shopping list ready for next spring. Well, that's a really good idea. And uh, as I said before, in August, I just want to turn my back on the garden and not think about it. But uh, you're, you're right. It's not over till it's over. Do you, do you look at some of the things in the garden and, and make a list of some things you might move for next year? Uh, definitely. In, in my garden, things are moving around uh, on a regular basis. I, uh, <laughs> If I don't like the look of something somewhere, it, 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 by the next year it's in a new spot. Uh, I also have a, a – I've uh, lived in the house I'm living in currently in Pennsylvania for two years, and the previous owners were also gardeners. So I inherited quite a few plants. And, and at first, the, these first couple of years, it's been a process of, of evaluation. What do I like and what do I dislike of, of the plants that I inherited? Um, it's a one-third acre lot, so it's not a huge space. Uh, I, I don't have a, as much room as, uh, uh, as I would like. Uh, it, that's something of a limiting factor. So uh, I'm, I'm editing, basically. I'm going through and removing some plants and making room for new things. And that's an ongoing process, uh, really changing the, the layout of the garden entirely as, as well, creating new bed lines and, and new beds in areas that used to be lawn. So yes, the garden is constantly in, in a state of revision. Uh, it always changes. Uh, you know, I'll, uh, gardeners often say that a garden is never done, and that, and that's really true. Um, I I'm not uh, really a fan of, of a static garden or, or a garden that does not change with the seasons or, or over the years. Uh, it really should develop with time, grow and evolve. Uh, I've been speaking with Doug Hall, the deputy editor of Organic Gardening Magazine. We've been talking about the dog days, <laughs> the dog days of summer and uh, what we can do to rejuvenate the garden and rejuvenate 
rejuvenate ourselves. If I turn my back in the garden in August for a week or two, I've got to remember to go back out and take a look. And uh, and if I'm up to it, I have to deadhead the weeds and pull the weeds. And That's it. <laughs> thank you again. Uh, and I hope we can speak again soon. Oh, thank you, Ken. You're so welcome. You know, getting your hands dirty may actually be a way to help fight the uh, the malaise of the dog days of summer because recent research has proved that uh, bacteria in the soil acts as an antidepressant by, antidepressant by uh, causing brain cells to produce high levels of serotonin. And serotonin occurs naturally in the body, but uh, higher levels, keeping the serotonin in your body longer, that's going to make you feel a little bit better. So please join me again next week for another edition of Kendrew's Real Dirt, The Garden Show. And we'll all be uh, playing in the dirt together. See you then.